0: When it comes to meal time, all right, meals and prep and all of that, I've always really been a big portion guy. Any of you with me on that? you like, you have to have a huge meal. Like for for you, it's just the worst if you don't. I actually, believe it or not, I actually made this bowl right here back when I was, I don't know, in grade 11 or 12. And I see some smirking. Okay, don't make fun of the pottery guy. All right, But I actually made this, and I gave it to my mom, and uh, that sounds really sweet and all, but the reason I made it was selfishly for myself because I felt like there just wasn't a big enough bowl to contain the, the size meals uh, that I enjoyed eating. And I used to fill that thing up with spaghetti and toss in like eight or nine you know, pierogies and eat these massive, carb-loading type meals. Now, obviously, I can't do that anymore. Those days, you know, are long gone. But for me, back in the day anyways, right, it was an absolute crime in my mind, right, to have a, a small or, or insufficient portion size because I felt like that would just leave me uh, very unsatisfied. Now, when it comes to the Bible, okay, one of the things that we believe as Christ followers, as the church, as Harvest Bible Chapel, is that it's sufficient. Okay? It is sufficient. It is enough. It is adequate for us as Christians and as the church. Now, Wayne Grudem is, uh, is our friend. He's been helping us out with our definitions here as we've been going through uh, our We Believe series here, which we are wrapping up today. And this is what he has to say. This is how he defines the sufficiency of Scripture. He says, The sufficiency of Scripture means that Scripture contained all the words of God he intended his people to have at each stage of redemptive history, and that it now contains all the words of God we need for salvation for trusting him perfectly and for obeying him perfectly. Now, of course, you and I, we, we don't obey him perfectly, right? But, but that's more on us. That's because of our fallenness. That's because of, of our brokenness and our sin and all of that. And it's not because, you know, the Bible itself is somehow lacking or somehow inadequate, right? That's not the reason why we don't obey the Lord Fully, it's because of us. The Bible itself, it is sufficient. And so let's really take a look at this now uh, from our passage here, 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verses 16 and 17. If you would stand for me, you know, we're in a series about God's word. I think let's honor the Lord uh, in our reading. And so follow along with me. I'll actually start uh, back in 14 and the verses we looked at just last week. It says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And then here we go. Here's our verses. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Lord, we come and bow our hearts before you today, Lord. And first of all, we just want to praise you and thank you for being a God who is so good. And in your perfect wisdom, Lord, you you gave us this book, this book that our church will come and proclaim each and every Sunday, Lord. And I pray that as your people, Lord, we would come to understand its sufficiency. Lord, it is not... uh, a meal that's too small that, that leaves us wanting more and going after other things outside of the Bible. Your word is enough. Lord, you are enough. And so God help us in this. If any of us are unclear or we are not shaken to the core by the reality that your word is sufficient, Lord, would you do that work in us today? God, I pray that because your word is enough, because your word is sufficient, Lord, I pray that we would, we would come before it every single day. Lord, that we wouldn't cast it aside. We wouldn't talk a good game and talk about how great your word is, but really um, come before it very infrequently. And so, God, would you have mercy on us as a church as we work through these things? God, to your glory, we pray all of this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, well, you can take a seat. And uh, here we go, just jump in straight into this here, okay? The Bible is sufficient, okay? The Bible is sufficient, each word being inspired by God himself. Each word is inspired. Take a look at this from verse 16, okay? We just read it, but we're going to go through it and kind of pull it apart, sort of word, for, uh, word by word here. It says this, all scripture is breathed out by God. It's breathed out by God. Now, you might be wondering, well, what's that all about? Yeah, what's that, what's he getting at here? Well, he's saying that, that all Scripture, okay, not just, you know, not just some of it, not, not most of it, no, all Scripture, meaning each and every word is, well, is what? What does it say? It says that it is, it's breathed out from God, he breathed out by God. And that means that it's, it's been divinely inspired been divinely inspired. Now, 2 Peter 1 verse 21 kind of helps us kind of understand this and kind of how we got the scriptures and what the Lord was doing, you know, through the writers as they wrote it. This is what it says. It says, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. So you think through all the, all the Bible writers and the various guys that wrote all of this, this didn't originate with them. That's what this is saying. No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. They were carried along by the Holy Spirit, okay? So the various human authors, you know, that physically wrote down the words that you and I are now reading centuries later, with with their distinctive, you know, personalities and writing styles and, you know, all of that, they were being divinely inspired as they wrote by God himself in each and every word that they wrote. Yeah, that's what it means by by God breathed. God breathed through the Holy Scripture into these men and wrote the very words that God wanted them to write. Now, Jesus himself, he confirms this actually in in Matthew chapter 5. I'm just going to read it here. He says, "'Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away.'" listen." not an iota, okay, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Okay, what is he, what is he doing here? He's, he's emphasizing the, the accuracy of the scriptures down to the very letter. That's what he's emphasizing. Why? Because they're the very words of God. The very words of God. So because God's word is from God himself, it is breathed out from him. Listen, we can trust it. We can trust that this is his word. It is accurate. It is authoritative over our lives. And, and this is important, we must obey it. We must obey it. Now, let me ask you a question, and this is extremely critical that you think this through for yourself. And, And don't be too quick to just assume that the answer is yes for you. Okay, but here's the question. Have you truly accepted this? Meaning, have you truly accepted that the Bible is inspired by God down to every single letter? Again, it it can be really easy to, you know, sort of nod along in agreement with me as I'm, you know, asking that question or stating these things. But listen, listen, a, a lot of, professing Christians out there will say that they hold to inspiration, right? We can talk a good name. We, we know the right answers. We'll, we'll say that it's accurate. We'll say that it's authoritative and claim to believe all of these things. But listen, as soon as the Bible contradicts something that, that I want or, or that I think or that, that I believe, then what do we do? Well, we doubt it, don't we? And we're like, yeah, I don't don't know about that part, right? Or Or we question it. Did God really say, right? We ask those questions about the scriptures. We ask these questions about his commands. Guess who else asked those questions? Satan, right, in the garden with Eve. Did God really say? Listen, that's a dangerous, dangerous question. And when we... We do that, we doubt, we, we question the scriptures where they're actually very clear or we reinterpret you know, what we think they mean to kind of suit our desires and all of that. What it means is that we put ourselves in the position of final authority over the Bible. Okay, now question, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Okay, thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah, that's not such a good thing right, putting ourselves in authority over it, yeah, not so good. And essentially the cry of our hearts, we'd probably never say this. We may not even really think it, but this is kind of the function of our hearts. We would say the Bible, okay, and therefore God himself submits to me. I've got the authority instead of the other way around. Now, do you ever do this? Have you ever done that before when you've read scripture or you've heard a guy like me talking about it and stating things strongly and with conviction? or you like, uh-uh, nope. When something like that rubs against your sensibilities? Well, hold on a second. That's not the way the world works. Therefore, the scriptures must be wrong. Or just a suggestion, the world might be broken. Right? What really has the authority? Is it us or is it God's word Listen, if you you don't truly accept on a heart level that the Bible is inspired by God himself, guess guess what you're actually saying functionally? You're saying this, the Bible is not sufficient. I am, I know what's what. I will not go to the scriptures anymore. I will go to my intellect. I will go, I will look to something else to inform me in all kinds of different ways. And so what we can easily say as believers is that, yeah, the Bible is good, but what we're really saying is, yeah, but only to a point. Okay, only to the point where it actually disagrees with me. Then I reign. Then I climb up on that throne of my life. And then I take the scepter. I put on the crown. I, you get the picture? It's me, not the word we functionally can easily believe that the scriptures are just not enough. I need to look outside to it or look to myself. Look, the first pillar of our church is what? Should we do a pop quiz? See how many of you know we walk past that, you know, that, that stand, that pop-up stand, the big sign out there, and it says what the four pillars of our church is? And yeah, I won't do that to you. One of these days I'm going to, right? I always threaten I should do it. I won't do it today. The first pillar of our church is proclaiming the authority of God's word without apology. Now, why? Why would that be the first pillar? Because God's word is enough, right? It is sufficient. It is all that we need. God's inspired words to us is what you and I desperately need every single day. We need that in, in, in a world where, where everything goes and, you know, believe whatever you want to believe and truth is relative and, you know, hearts that, that kind of naturally want to go down those paths and follow those mantras. We need God's, God's sufficient word. And listen, the, the, the sufficiency of, uh, of Scripture here, it cannot be a loosely held thought that's kind of rattling around in our brains that, that we kind of grab onto when it's convenient or when it's easy. Or listen, if that's the case, we will be very unstable people in a very unstable world. Okay, the sufficiency of Scripture, that needs to be a, a deeply held conviction You know, our hearts need to burn with this. We need to be convinced of this in our own minds. It has to be locked in there. Listen, do you realize that the Lord is looking for believers everywhere? He is looking for his followers who will humbly submit themselves to him and his holy word. And so the question is for you and for us as a church, will you be one of them? Will we be that kind of a church? I'm telling you, on my watch, by God's grace, the answer is yes, a resounding yes. We will continue to come before God's amazing and awesome word. All right, the Bible is sufficient, each word being inspired by God himself, which impacts me where I really need it to. Impacts me where we really need it to. This is the second thing here. Okay, take a look at verse 16 again. We'll read that part. It says all scripture is breathed out by God. Okay, we got that. And it says that it is, it is profitable. Now, what does that mean? It means it makes us money, uh, a lot of money, right? Makes us wealthy, happy, no problems. <clears throat> no, that's not right. Okay, and just in case you thought I was going to all prosperity there. That's not what prof- uh, profitable means. Okay, it means that it's, it's useful. It, 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 it's beneficial. In what kind of ways? Tell me, pastor, well, this, the scriptures tell you just take a look. It says, for teaching. You ever feel like you need teaching sometimes? I just, I, I, I need, I don't understand. Well, that's what the Bible's there for. It's to give us instruction. We need that. It also says there for reproof. And that's kind of a bit of an old school word. We don't really use that word in kind of everyday language, but it essentially, you know, just means rebuke or, or, or reprimand. Now, if we're honest, we need a little bit of that too. And sometimes the word of God kind of lays us bare there and there's a need for, a, for more of a stern approach because my heart is hard and it's proud and needs to be softened. Okay, so it's good for, it's profitable for reproof. It also says for correction. Hey, need any improvement in any areas of your life? I do, my hands up, right? We need improvement. We need, we need to be altered. We need that modification. God's word does that. It also says, and for training in righteousness. Love that part, right? It's training us, it's, it, it, it's pushing us or nurturing us towards greater godliness. These are the things that God's word is good enough to accomplish in us. This is the way, these are the different ways that the Bible impacts us. Right? It calls us out when we're hard-hearted. It, it teaches us when we lack understanding. It it reassures us when we're fearful or when we're doubting or when we're, we're down. Okay, the Bible is sufficient for every single level, every single step of your walk with the Lord, your growth in him. Okay, it's enough. And these are the kind of areas where you and I, we just need work done. We, we need it done. Now the takeaway for us here in, you know, in kind of a really simple sense is that, that God's words here, as they've been to del- uh, delivered to us you know, in the Bible that we're reading right now, not only did it have the, you know, the impact or the ability to impact us in these ways, but they're also enough, they're sufficient to, uh, to impact us in these ways. And again, I think that's one of those things that can be really easy to kind of believe in our minds, but, but again, like deep down, we, we often look to, to extra biblical things to impact us. We look to things outside of the scriptures to, you know, inform our our identities, to give us meaning, to give us hope, to give us joy and happiness and purpose in all of that. And so we're looking to all of those things all the while saying, well, it's because the Bible isn't really good enough. It's not sufficient. You may be like, well, what kind of things? What kind of extra biblical things outside of the Bible things uh, do we look at here? Well, when we don't believe the Bible is sufficient, we look to, first of all, our feelings. We look to our feelings. I think this is probably the number one thing we look to, right? Feelings-driven life, driven along by emotions, delivered along by what we want, what we like, what we hate, what we feel like in the moment. Emotions and feelings are driving the bus in a lot of our lives. You know, and for us, it, it kind of looks like, you know, well, I, I don't really care what the, what the Bible says about blank, right? I don't really care that. I'm not, I'm not feeling that right now, so I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it. Again, maybe you say you've got the Christianese down pat and you know how to give good answers when you're talking with other believers and all of that. But really, again, it's your feelings and it's your emotions calling the shots. And we do this in all kinds of different ways on, you know, in, 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 on a day-to-day basis, right? I don't feel like reading my Bible, so therefore, I won't. Right? I, 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 I don't feel like respecting my husband, so I'm gonna be harsh. I, I don't feel like loving my wife sacrificially, so I'm, I'm gonna be really selfish and make it all about me. I you know evangelism's hard, prayer's hard, doing these kinds of things is difficult. I don't feel like doing these things, so I'm going to do what I want to do. But you see how that plagues us? You see how our hearts are so affected by these types of situations on a day-to-day basis? I don't feel like it, so I won't, or I feel like doing the wrong thing, so I will. Okay, when we don't believe that the Bible is sufficient, we look to our feelings. Here's the second thing. We look to pastors and Christian leaders. Does that sound kind of wrong at first? Well, shouldn't we? Like, shouldn't we look at, you know, to our pastors for some direction and some, some guidance and all of that? And I'm here to say, well, sure. You know, to some degree, Absolutely. But I think sometimes, some of us maybe, you know, treat pastors, treat, treat leaders, treat people that we respect in kind of a codependent way. You know, and I can't, I can't move forward without, you know, running this by my small group leader. I can't, I can't move forward without, you know, talking and, and getting my, my mentor's thoughts on this or my pastor's thoughts and, you know, all of that. And sometimes what we do is we lean into these you know, fallible people instead of into the infallible word of God. You know, and again, sometimes, you know, pastors and leaders, they don't help things much by kind of, you know, carrying with them this this swagger and maybe this, you know, inflated sense of authority that, you know, kind of gives you the sense that, well, I, I, you know, I have to, you know, do what he says first and foremost, Listen, I don't have the highest authority. Not at all. Okay, God's word does. It is sufficient. Here's another thing we look to. Christian books and resources. Again, it's not, it's not wrong to read great books. It's not wrong to have these great resources that can, that can help you, you know, understand the Bible a little bit better or encourage you and all of that. I recommend books to you all the time. Like I've, had, I've shown many of them. It's not wrong to read great books. Again, they can be a great help in helping us understand the Bible, okay, but they shouldn't be seen as on par with the scriptures and certainly not, not above them. You know, so, so for you, maybe you have you know, stopped reading the word as much and you've kind of pushed that aside a little bit in your life because your extracurricular reading, as good as it may be, has been kind of taking over. And for you, it's been a certain author or a certain podcast or a certain theological website or someone that you follow on Twitter. And these things are determining how you think. These people are determining how you act and how you move forward. And it's kind of like the mindset of, you know, well, I can't, you know, make a decision unless someone like, you know, John Piper or Desiring God tells me what I think. Again, love John Piper, love Desiring God, they're great. But they're not the Bible, and they're not God. Here's another thing we look to when we don't believe that the Bible's sufficient. How about this one? Self-help gurus. I've talked to some of you before, and some of you have spent hundreds and even thousands of dollars of going after self-help gurus. You just make yourself better, and you here's your seven things that you can do to make yourself a better person, and and improve, and be transformed, and you know you've got to you know follow all of their ways, and it's usually about having the right kind of attitude or mindset or the power of positive thinking, or it always involves you know swiping a credit card for sure and giving them money, right? It involves that, but all of it's so man centered and so self centered, and not actually what you need at all. You're going down that road. You're you're, you're you're effectively saying the Bible is not sufficient for me. I need to look outside of that. Okay, here's the fifth one, last one. Just our, our drug of choice. Okay, our drug of choice. This is something that we look to when, when deep down we believe that the Bible is not sufficient? Now, this could be an actual banned substance. It could be something like that. It could be alcohol and, and a dependency on that. Or it could be something like a, you know, something that kind of looks innocent on the outside, like a shopping addiction. I'm spending copious amounts of money, and I've always got these new things, and Amazon is my best friend, and I live at the mall, and you know, all of that kind of stuff. And that's, a, that's something that you're going to because you believe that God and his word are not enough. This is anything that you look to to inform your, your identity and your worth and your purpose Anything that you think that you need to make you happy, to make you whole as a person, anything that you think you need to make you complete and be truly full of joy or whatever you think you need. You know, if I, if I just have this thing, it will impact me in the way that I need it most. And hey, not true. Not true. God and his word is what you need. That is what will impact You most. It is sufficient when it comes to giving you what you really need for life and for godliness. Listen, the Bible isn't just like one tool among you know many equal tools that you would have in your toolbox. It's not one among three, four, five, a hundred. It is the tool. It is it, it is it's the preeminent source of impact that you so badly want to see happen in your life and what the Lord wants to see happen in your life. All right? The Bible is the Bible is sufficient, each word being inspired by God Himself, which impacts me where I really need it to, and effectively equips me for what's ahead. It effectively equips me for what's ahead. Okay, start at the beginning here, verse 16. It says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Okay, we read and looked at all that. And then this, that the man, okay, or woman, that the man of God may be what? Complete. That's a great word. May be complete, equipped for every good work. Now, it's really important for us to understand and to remember that we're not saved by our works. We're not saved by our morality or all the good things that we do. However, we are saved by God's grace to do good works, right? We're saved to to accomplish a lot of things in life to the glory of God. Things like like learning to, to trust him more fully every single day. Do you think that's a good work? Absolutely. Things like worshiping and, and, and praying more fervently and loving radically and evangelizing boldly and serving willingly and leading humbly and submitting totally. These are the good works. These are just some of the good works that the Lord wants to equip you through his word to accomplish. He wants to make you mature, complete, the word is there, so that you can do all of this. As the Bible makes an impact on us through its teaching and through its reproof, as the, as the verse says there, through its correction and through its training in righteousness, we become complete. God gave you his word. Think about it this way. God gave you his word so that you would not remain an unfinished product. That's why you have a Bible in your hands. It is driving you. God himself through it is driving you towards an awesome goal. That's what he's doing, that you would be equipped for all the great things that God has in store for you, all the the great things he wants to do in you and through you. His word impacts you for sure. We talked about that. Your character changes and so that he can equip you for what lies ahead. Now, listen, that should excite you, right? You should be excited about this. You should be fired up when you think about this. Wow, I come before God's word and I change? You know, I, I don't know how to you know, lead very well. I don't know how to serve very well. I sense that my heart is, is hard and it is broken and, and, and twisted and it warps things so easily and my relationships aren't all that great and I wish my marriage was better and I wish I knew how to parent and you know, I wish that I was a better employee and all of those things. Well, listen, God's word helps you in all of this. It equips you to become better in all of these things to the glory of God. Stop looking at God's word as this boring, dead book that I guess I better go to because I'm a Christian. No, you get to be in that. You get to read that and study that because God wants to use it to transform you. He wants to change you through it. Listen, Harvest, I believe as a church, we have barely begun to scratch the surface on what God wants to accomplish in us and through us. And and I don't mean that in a, hey, listen, we should be really discouraged about, you know, the short distance that we've come as a church. I'm not saying all of that. What I'm saying is that we've been a church for like two and a half years now, just over. And the the more that we cling to the doctrine that the Bible is sufficient, the more we'll dig into it. The more we're going to want to, the more the Lord will use it to equip us for whatever he has in store for us as a church and as his people. Have you ever stopped and like really thought about this? Have you thought about your own life? Have you thought about the church and how the Lord wants to take us from where we are to something much more amazing, much more refined, much more pure, much more awesome? Have you thought about that? Have you pictured that? Have you, have you, do you have the, the goal clear in your mind? Well, no, I don't know what the goal is. Well, listen, the Bible tells you what the goal is. He, he's equipping you for that. And he wants to do great things. I mean, just, just picture what it could be like for you. The joy, as God is working to equip you and making you complete and mature, the joy that you will have in all of this, the joy that you will have in him, the, our hearts that will delight in him more, that's the work that he wants to do in you for sure. You ever wonder, hey, I, wish, I just wish I was, you know, I delighted in the Lord more than other things. Well, that's what God's word equips you to, to, to do and be. Think about it, well, as we as we allow ourselves to be made complete by his word, the sufficient word of God, we'll grow, we'll grow wise in an increasingly foolish world. We'll have sweeter relationships. We'll have sweeter friendships among ourselves here and the people that we know. Our marriages will be better. Our marriages will reflect the gospel more. We'll see our children, have you pictured this for your kids? We'll see our our children grow up as, as ones who have been discipled well from a young age and they're on fire for the Lord at a young age and excited about him and beginning to disciple others as they grow up. You think about how great that is? Does that excite you? We'll be more effective at loving each other well, even when people are hard to love. We'll see this community become something truly special. We'll see it become unique. We'll be more compassionate for the lost. We'll hurt for the hurting. We'll care about them more. Listen, as our church grows and as we are being made complete in these types of ways, and again, that's barely touching the list of things that God wants to do in us. God wants to do so much in our church. One of the dreams, one of the visions that I have for this place is that we would be a church that plants other churches like us. Do you share that vision? Do you share that dream? I was thinking about it this week and how amazing would it be is if we planted, I don't know, one, two, three churches, however many God you know, decides and would allow us to do. And who knows this? I was thinking about this. How many people, how many men right, are sitting here right now who might go on to plant those churches? And you have no idea you're just sitting, sitting here in the chair right now, maybe much like I was, saying, nope, not gonna be me. Don't wanna do it. No desire. Right? But the Lord, as he is equipping you, as he is doing this work, making you complete, he's gonna change your heart maybe on these things and all of our hearts in all kinds of different things and set us off to accomplish much Hey, but let me tell you something, harvest. We will see very little of that, very little of that, if we do not believe that the Bible is sufficient to get us there. That's the reality. So here's the question for you: Do you do you see the Bible as sufficient for all of life, all of godliness? Does your heart ring with that? The Bible is clear, all right? The Bible is necessary, and the Bible is sufficient. Do you feel a conviction over these things? Do you feel a joy in these things? Do you feel a, a greater confidence in the Bible that you hold in your hands because of these things? If you do, listen, the sky is the limit. The sky's the limit. There's no saying what the Lord can do. I love it in Ephesians chapter 3. He says it will do far more than we can, even, we can ask or even think. I've painted a very small picture, I think, of what the Lord actually wants to do. But it starts with coming before him. It starts with reading, knowing, understanding and believing that this Bible is enough.